How's it going, everybody? Ronson Brown here on RSB at Peace, the the podcast, helping people out. If you have anything on your mind, um, if you have any type of issues, this is the podcast where uh, I'm your friend. <laughs> uh, some of you might be going through some problems right now, and you need to vent. You need to talk. I don't have a phone system where you can call in or whatnot. Uh, That will be further down the line. That's my goal. Uh, Again, this is episode eight. And why am I doing this? It's because I'll mention again and again until, you know, I get solidified. Uh, Over the past decade or so, I've been kind of having like a, personal conversation with friends who had you know issues in life that was weighing heavy on their minds and we all know what it's like to have a lot of issues in the mind and you know it can develop into some severe mental illness and there's nothing wrong with saying you kind of have um you know mental issues or issues of the mind if you just want to be kind of low-key at that. But it is mental nonetheless. That's the fact. And, you know, talking out your problems, bringing, up, bringing your problems up to the surface, talking to someone that you trust is the first step. Now, if you have, you know, mental issues that persist, I strongly suggest you take uh, a look at and getting professional counseling you know see your uh, medical doctor first and you know medical doctor he or she can prescribe uh, you know uh, a certified uh, psychologist or a psychiatrist that can talk to you and you can talk to them and vent and explain what's on your mind Because stress, anxiety, worry, uh, loneliness, the stresses of life can really, um, you know, burn us out. And that's not good. Your your mind is like, you know, it's part of your body. So don't be afraid to, uh, you know, say you have an issue of the mind. If you don't want to say mental issue, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what I'm trying to put everyone at ease that listens to my podcast there's nothing wrong in this day and age to say hey i got something on my mind i need to talk about it Um, whatever it is and i gotta say this i gotta say this all the time that i am not a licensed psychologist or a licensed psychiatrist or a certified medical doctor or a doctor of medicine. Uh, I'm just an everyday guy that over the past 10 years, I think I found my calling is uh, listening to people. And I don't know what it is. It's just like one of those things that um, I think God put me on this earth for, you know, one of those things. And um, I I became a pretty good listener. I I don't try to figure anybody out, but just listening. I became a good listener. And uh, people... You know, they call me up and uh, tell me, hey, Ron, man, I'll buy you coffee, I'll buy you lunch, I just need to talk. 
And over the years, it started with you know a couple friends and um, other friends would see us at a, a, a coffee shop or uh, you know a restaurant and just talking. And uh, then those people, you know, find out what I was doing, and they go, oh, "You you just listen?" I go, "Yeah." And the next thing you know, you know, people call me up of all ages, uh, both sexes, um, just just spilling the beans. In fact, I have one friend right now. Uh, can't disclose their names, but um, this person calls me like twice a week to just vent, and um, I just listen. I go hello, and uh, this person just goes off for like a half an hour, and you know I got to go to work sometimes, so I I got to cut cut this person off, and away I go. But I try to be a good listener, and um, and that's basically it. When when uh, we have things on our mind, we just need to vent and just talk just talk it out and again if you have something really severe on your your mind um, maybe you have an addiction or you're dealing with someone that has a problem and it is affecting your life then you need to talk about it and uh you know there's nothing wrong with talking to anyone well not anyone it's not it's okay to talk about your problems not i'm sorry not with anyone but with someone you trust take that back not with anyone someone you trust and for those of you who uh become that person that that uh that becomes the listener just listen that's one thing i learned a lot of times unless somebody asks for your opinion you know offer your opinion but if it's not a subject that you're an expert in i strongly suggest do not offer any advice if you haven't gone through a situation that 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 other person is experiencing you know like well I, i'm i'm not married so i shouldn't offer any type of marriage marriage advice to anyone but i'll listen to whatever problems that they have okay so today's topic um i'm gonna try and cover two i kind of scripted this in my mind um two two issues i'm gonna try and talk about and i'll try to keep it you know, right around that 45-minute maximum. Um, I think that's that's enough time. Um, and uh, here we go. Okay, so anyway, um, let's talk about, first of all, uh, let's talk about caregivers first. Okay, um, this, this morning, I think it was this morning or yesterday morning, I found out one of our friends' mom had passed away. And a week ago, actually, I found out that um, one of our other friends' uh, sister passed away and very young age. So um, what I'm trying to talk about in this, this segment right now is caregivers, people that had to change or alter their lives to help out uh, a family member. Or, or, or a loved one could be a, a good friend meaning um what i'm trying to say is like uh you know sometimes uh someone in a family like a parent or someone close maybe it might be a brother or something and and you have maybe a, a family member maybe a, a sibling a child went off to college maybe it's uh you know your daughter for example, you know, your daughter's off to college maybe in her second year and she's 
flying, flying above the, the, the clouds and, you know, reaching her goals in, 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 in college and just getting good grades and she, she's looking into uh, getting into the workforce, whatever, uh, get her profession going when she's out of school and whatnot. Then all of a sudden, um, you know, uh, the parent falls ill or someone in the family falls ill. You get the picture. And um, everyone's lives changes. You know, the person who gets sick. And um, this is just a, uh, I'm painting a picture on, on this story because it's reality. Things like this happen. So if a parent or a whatnot a guardian or, or, or you know someone in the family that's really close falls ill say and i pray that nobody gets it but let's say just a, an illness like um cancer and again i pray no one gets it i'm just trying to paint a picture of reality so someone say gets cancer again i hope i pray no one gets it but in this story this situation um so the daughter or sister goes to college in her, let's say she's in her third year and she just left and, and two months goes by and you find out you're, you're ill and you call your daughter and say, hey, you know, um, I'm, I'm really sick. I went to the doctor, I'm really sick. And if, you know, your daughter, your sibling, or whoever is really close in the family, no doubt would would drop what they're doing, alter their lives to come back and, and care for the parent, or if it's you, you know, I'm just trying to paint a picture. So in, in that case, so you have a student, a daughter or sister who's going to a university in her third year. Again, I'm just painting a picture. Has to drop her schooling to come back home and care for a loved one. Maybe it's a parent or a sibling or an aunt, an uncle or whatnot, if, if people are close. And so what happens, the, 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 the dynamics change, changes. Right off the bat, you know, from going to school to, uh, and, and the parent was healthy, working, and can't work now. So you have two things happening. Uh, a young lady has to come back from college to help care for a loved one. Her dreams are put on hold. Has to come back. Lovingly comes back. The person that's ill now maybe is very ill and needs constant care and can't go to the hospital it's beyond that for some reason and it's almost um i wouldn't say bedridden at this time but maybe you just can't stay in the hospital have to care for the person at home and it's happened in real life it happened in our family so what i'm trying to get at is during this process of caring for someone you have the the person that's ill possibly was healthy all her life or his life you know everything did it on their own drove to work on their own you know 
wash the clothes, wash the dish, cook on their own, everything. Um, healthy enough to do it. And all of a sudden falling ill and has a hard time walking. Maybe you know a good percentage of their life now is they're bedridden. And this calls for having a nurse to come to the house or having the sibling or the loved one to uh, do the duties of uh, keeping the body clean. Hygiene, personal hygiene is in the hands of the, the caregivers. So in time, what's going to happen is there's going to be stress where the caregiver will be so exhausted and will be emotional. All, all kinds of emotions going to go through this person's mind. You know, you know, my, my loved one might die pretty soon. Um, is this my loved one getting, is my loved one ever getting better? Um, I put my life on hold. How long is this going to last before I get back on, on my life, you know? And things stop. Life kind of, life keeps moving, but their goals, their goals stop. Their momentum stops in what they're trying to achieve in life. And the person who's ill, of course, is thinking of dying. Um, all things going through their mind, his or her mind, um, is everything in order, it, you know, uh, uh, wills, the estate, if there's an estate, um, uh, debts, you know, illegal issues. And a lot of times what happens is the caregivers have to not just care for the, the person that's ill for their bodies, but also have to take care of uh, legal matters, financial issues, um, all those things and, and the stress just gets heavy it weighs down on the caregivers as well as the person that's ill okay so our family has dealt with um you know taking care of you know and, and my, my my brothers and my sisters uh and myself cared for my dad when when he was dying we we turned the, the our house into a like a nursing home, and you know when, when my mom about twelve years later, then my mom, you know, was getting older and and weak, you know, her heart was failing, and um, but we got her into a care home, so she was a little easier. But my dad was, um, I don't, I don't want to say difficult because we love my dad, you know, so but it, it was uh. A harder task with my dad because um, we had to really watch him 24-7 and we had help don't get me wrong we had help from friends uh, family we had you know help from from uh, uh, the medical staff we, uh, my, my dad had good insurance where um, the insurance um, covered a uh, home nurse that came five days a week i think for like about three four hours a day which was awesome so we were very blessed but yet there's there was stress involved and um like i said it's it's more than when when someone's that ill uh, you know almost bedridden uh, maybe not but just really ill 
you know, people start to really think about the legal matters, financial matters, getting that all in place just in the event that, you know, your loved one does pass away. And when someone's very ill, um, it's very difficult. It's difficult, especially for the caregivers. And maybe, it's, you know, in, in this picture I'm painting, it might be just not, it might not be just um you know the daughter or whatnot it might be you know uh uh maybe two 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 siblings two ch two children coming back home to help out um and and, and their lives are put uh on hold or it it's slowed down a little bit uh for good reason and the good reason is to love and care for someone that's ill. So there's going to be stress in anything. So that's why I'm talking about. So if you are listening and you are a caregiver, um, not a professional caregiver, and even if you are a professional caregiver, I think professional caregivers, I think, already know that if they're stressing, they need to talk to someone, right? Because they're already in the medical field, pretty much. I, I would imagine. I, I'm not an expert, but I, I imagine that. Like first responders have, you know, they have uh, psychologists, I guess, to talk to. I, I know first responders that tell me that. Um, but uh, if you're just an everyday person, or if you know of anyone that's care a caregiver, because of a family member that's ill or, you know, sick or whatnot, injured, maybe. And they're at home. They can't go to work because they have to care for someone. Or maybe they can go to work, but then they're working a full shift or whatnot, then they have to come home and care for someone. And that's, like, really another job. And... uh stress stress can get very very heavy on someone that is helping uh, care for someone so if you're a caregiver you need to take a break and find help someone that you can trust and say hey you know I, I, I need like a break can you watch my my dad can you watch my mom or whoever it is that you're caring for, you know, uh, talk to your uh, doctors, um, your insurance, if there's any type of help. Um, I'm sure you can find someone uh, trusting. If you got family, friends that's able, you show them what to do, you know, and um, they can come in to your house and help you maybe for just, you know, three four hours so you can take a nap that's what um one of our friends used to do when when my dad was alive my, my my dad was dying my mom was still alive and my mom would be tending to my dad you know 24 7 and she would get burned out when i was get up when i got off of work i would help her out and you know if my brother calvin was free he'd come come by and help out but just, there was always somebody there for my mom but um, my mom got so burned out where we had to call uh, one of our friends who understood my mom's situation of being stressed out as a caregiver. And she would come over, I remember, Auntie Root, 
Auntie Ruth would come over and say, hey, okay, mama, I got it, you know, go sleep. And my mom would just knock out. She'd go into this, our, our other bedroom where she could just crash and just sleep. And I, I'd, I'd come home from work and Auntie Ruth would greet me in the house and she would say, hey, no worry, I got it. <laughs> I got it under control. You know, Auntie Ruth was strong. She's a strong lady. She knew how to care for people. She said, hey, don't worry about it, Ron. You can say hi to your mom. She's in the be the other bedroom sleeping. I'd, I'd open the door, you know, and she'd be like just snoring. And I go, oh, man, look, my mom's just really tired, man. And so caregivers, caregivers can get very tired um, because you're caring for somebody 24-7 and it's on your mind. And also, you know, if you have stress and um, things are, you know, on your mind, if you're a caregiver, please go talk to somebody. Again, I'm not an expert. I, I can't give you advice. All I can say is talk to someone, talk to a professional, you know, I think I'm, I'm safe to say that. Talk to a professional and uh, tell them how you feel and uh, take care, you know, just take care of your body, take care of your mind. Um, if you can find someone to give you a little break, you know, take it. It's really important. And I, I know some of you, when you're caring for somebody that you love and you're like, oh man, I got to do this. Yeah, you got to do this. You you love that person, but the fact is you're only human and your body can only go so much. You can only push your body so much so far during the day, during the week, during the month. And uh, some pe some caregivers, they, they go day in, day out. And next thing you know, two or three months went by. And they've been burning it, you know. So you, you need help, you know. You ask for help. And there's help available, you know. So anyway, so now let's talk about something that just, you know, that's uh, on, on the minds of a lot of people. Because it, it's, um, it's a prevalent uh, addiction with just happen what just happened last week. Um, was the Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty twenty two, right? My my Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl, beat the Bengals twenty three to twenty, right? And I was happy. I never bet though, but the kind of better I am, uh, I'm, I'm not a good gambler, so I'm, I'm pretty safe. Although back in the day, I I I, I used to bet, and um, I, I was lousy at it. I always picked the wrong teams. And I lost, I lost a lot of money in my own right, and I learned my lesson. Now, let's talk about people who have a gambling addiction. That's right. Gambling addiction is a serious issue in the United States. It's a serious issue, serious issue here on the island of Maui, where I live, in the state of Hawaii, where I live, and across the U.S., and I imagine around the world, too, because people bet. Um, there's illegal gambling. There's legal gambling. You know, legal gambling. You got Atlantic City. You got some, um, you know, small casinos that's legal around the country. And, of course, Sin City, Las Vegas, right? And uh, what's that? Reno, right? Um, but Las Vegas, you know, 
Yeah, all the locals love Las Vegas. But you know, um, the the Super Bowl was a huge event, and um, just a lot of money was uh, wagered in or on the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, so if you're wondering, should I put, put, pull up my stats here? Um, so the Nevada sports books shatter state record for Super Bowl betting handle with $179.8 million in wagers, according to figures released by Gaming Control Board. Books won $15.4 million for hold win percentage of 8.6. The 2022 Super Bowl was essentially the first mainstream sports betting Super Bowl in American history. All right. Um, so if you're wondering, okay, so... How do how do Vegas sports books make money? And I need new glasses. Sports sports books make their money on sports bets by collecting a commission on betters losing bets. This is called the vigorish or vig for short. The most common betting odds are eleven to ten, represented by plus one ten money line. This means that if you want to win $100, you are risking $110, okay? And that's when you go to the sports books, you'll see these numbers across the board where now it's all digitalized and whatnot. But there's all kinds of ways you can bet. You know, there's parlays, there's proposition bets, you know, you can bet on uh, flip of the coin, um, you know, how much fumbles or... You know, the over-under in the, the final score, you, you know, like what this past Super Bowl was, uh, 43 was the total. Um, so some people maybe, you know, I, I don't know what the over-under was. Let's say uh, like the odds makers made it, you know, 46 or whatever. I don't know what it was, but let's say 46 and you went under that. You bet under 46, um, you'd win because um, the final score was 20, 20 to 23 which would be 43 points so that's under 46 so there's all kinds of bits um uh in in vegas and as well as illegal betting there's all kinds of you know standard bets you know uh proposition bets all kinds of you can bet just the quarter and people sell blocks uh they make pools at work whatever it is but it is gambling okay make no mistake it's make no mistake it's gambling and some people, and I know some of these people who are very um, uh, compulsive gamblers, and I, I know several people that, um, hold on, I know several people in, in my circle that got in trouble with uh, being compulsive gamblers. And um, most gamblers that I know also uh, drink a lot of alcohol. So what happens? When you drink a lot of alcohol, um, you know, you, your, your mind isn't working right when you're buzzed, when you're drunk. 
um, what happens when what happens when gamblers um, start to really get into it and lose it? I don't think they're aware of what they're doing or the consequences. You know, they're just like on this high. You know, so if if a gambler wins, and I'm just out of experience seeing my friends. You know, they, they dump a lot of money on, on sports, on football especially, and all kinds of gambling, card games, whatever. But we're talking football right now, or sports. I know friends that continue calling their bookies or they're in Vegas, and um, and some of them, yeah, you know, they 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 gamble a lot, but they kind they're, they're good with their money. They know when to stop, but some people don't. See, there's the, the kind of people that when they win, they dump it all again, trying to win bigger. They end up losing big, and when you end up losing big, and and you start to lose your 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 personal assets, or you know your house, or you got you got to sell your car to pay off a gambling debt. That's very very, that's very bad, and especially if you have wife and kids, um, or you know family. You could, could be a female that's a gambling addict. You know, I know some of them. Believe me, there's some women out there that are just gambling freaks. They're good gamblers, but, you know, um, sometimes they don't know when to stop. You got to know when to stop, know when to walk away. But the, the the compulsive gambler, the guy is, you know, he wins big, got to go again because they can win big. But to get big again, you're dumping a lot of money and it becomes losses. So you won big, but you're losing again because you're chasing, Okay. And then the guy that loses a lot, he's chasing because he wants to finally win. You see, so it's like just totally gone berserk, you know, kind of just went haywire in the head. So um, if you have a gambling problem and you know you have one and you're thinking, why do I have a gambling problem? Some people, believe it or not, they can't figure out why. They kind of know why, but they don't know why. I don't know if this makes any sense to you, but sometimes their head in their mind, it's going so fast that, yeah, I know I know, I got a problem, but I don't know why, you know. They're just confused. So it's, it's really important to get help if you do have a problem gambling and go get professional help. You know, don't listen to me. I'm nobody, but... um. I'm going to take a page out of the Mayo Clinic. And I'm going to bring up my screen here. All right. We're talking about gambling. Okay, so the diagnosis. Okay, let me see. Get this screen big. So if you recognize that you have a problem with your gambling, talk with your primary care doctor about an evaluation or seek help from a mental health professional. The, to evaluate your problem with gambling, your doctor or mental health professional will likely ask questions related to your gambling habits. He or she may also ask for permission to speak with family members or friends. However, confidentiality laws prevent your doctor from giving out any information about you without your consent. Okay. Review your medical information. Some drugs can have a rare side effect that results in compulsive behaviors, including gambling in some people. 
A physical exam may identify problems with your health that are sometimes associated with compulsive gambling. Do a psychiatric assessment. This assessment includes questions about your symptoms, thoughts, feelings, and behavior patterns related to your gambling. Depending on your signs and symptoms, you may be evaluated for mental health disorders that are sometimes related to excessive gambling. All right. Also, use or use the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. In parentheses, it's a DSM-5. The DSM-5 published by the American Psychiatric Association, lists criteria for the diagnosis of gambling disorder. Okay, so this is from the Mayo Clinic. So this is a, a factual thing that I'm reading from their website, the Mayo Clinic. Now, they wouldn't BS this stuff, right? Okay, so treatment. Treating compulsive gambling can be challenging. That's partly because most people have a hard time admitting they have a problem. Yet a major component of treatment is working on acknowledging that you're a compulsive gambler. If your family or your employer pressured you into therapy, you may find yourself resisting treatment. But treating a gambling problem can help you regain a sense of control and perhaps help heal damaged relationships or finances. Treatment for compulsive gambling may include these approaches. All right. That's all PowerPoints right here. Therapy. Behavior therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy may be beneficial. Behavior therapy uses systematic exposure to the behavior you want to unlearn and teaches you skills to reduce your urge to gamble. Cognitive behavioral therapy focuses on identifying unhealthy, irrational, and negative beliefs and replacing them with healthy, positive ones. Family therapy also may be helpful. Okay, the next PowerPoint is medications. Antidepressants and mood stabilizers may help problems that often go along with compulsive gambling, such as depression. OCD or ADHD. Some antidepressants may be effective in reducing gambling behavior. Medications, medications called narcotic antagonists, useful in treating substance abuse, may help treat compulsive gambling. All right, next PowerPoint self help groups. This is the one a lot of my friends go to. Okay, some people find that talking with others who have a gambling problem may be a helpful part of treatment. <clears throat> Ask your healthcare professional for advice on self-help groups such as Gamblers Anonymous and other resources. Okay, guys, let me just uh, chime in on this one. You don't have to feel ashamed at all. Because I have friends that go through these things and they come out pretty good. I gotta, I'll be honest, a lot of them relapse into gambling. It's like alcohol. But it takes willpower, a strong mind, and um, just filtering out all that negatives. All right. Um, okay, so treatment for compulsive gambling may involve 
an outpatient program, inpatient program, or a residential treatment program. Depending on your needs and resources, treatment for substance abuse, depression, anxiety, or any other mental health disorder may be part of your treatment plan for compulsive gambling. Okay, here we go. We just, I just talked about relapse. So here we go. Relapse prevention. Even with treatment, you may return to gambling, especially if you spend time with people who gamble or you're in gambling environments. If you feel that you'll start gambling again, contact your mental health professional or sponsor right away to head off a relapse. Okay? So coping and support. These recovery skills may help you concentrate on resisting the urges of compulsive gambling. Okay, we got some PowerPoints going on here. Okay, stay focused on your number one goal, which is not to gamble, right? Same with any kind of addiction, these support groups try to help you. Stay focused, and this is for, uh, you know, gambling, not to gamble. Of course, if you're an alcoholic or uh, substance abuse, well, not to partake in substance or alcohol anymore. Okay, next PowerPoint, tell yourself it's too risky to gamble at all. One bet typically leads to another and another. I just was speaking about that. Next PowerPoint, give yourself permission to ask for help as sheer willpower isn't enough to overcome compulsive gambling. Ask a family member or friend to encourage you to follow your treatment plan. Next PowerPoint, Recognize and then avoid situations that trigger your urge to bet. Okay, so family members, family members or people with a compulsive gambling problem may benefit from counseling, even if the gambler is unwilling to participate in therapy. All right, so preparing for your appointment. If you've decided to seek help for compulsive gambling, you've taken an important first step. What you can do before your appointment. Make a list of, here's some more PowerPoints, all the feelings you're experiencing, even if they seem unrelated to your problem. Note what triggers your gambling, whether you've tried to resist the urge to gamble and the effect that gambling has had on your life. Next PowerPoint, key personal information, including any major stresses or recent life changes. Okay. All right. Okay, so all medications, vitamins, herbs, or other supplements that you're taking, including the doses. Okay, so the, um, these are some of the things. If you see a psychiatrist, a lot of times psychiatrists, um, you know, they, they're like medical doctors. I, I believe they had to get like a medical uh, doctor degree because, because they can prescribe uh, medications. So that that's why uh, I assume they're talking about whatever medications or uh, vitamins you know everything over the counter or prescription you got to let them know um, <clears throat> excuse me so other physical or mental health disorders that you have and the treatments okay uh, you have to disclose that uh, and ask questions so questions to ask your doctor to make the most of your appointment time so always ask questions okay questions to ask your doctor may include What's the best approach to my gambling problem? Okay, that's a good one. Okay, so the next one. 
what are the alternatives to the primary approach that you're suggesting? Okay, that's another good one. Okay, should I see a psychiatrist, psychologist, addiction counselor, or other mental health professional? All right, will my insurance cover seeing these professionals? So this is a, a key thing right here, guys. Hold on. Will my insurance cover seeing these professionals? <clears throat> if you if you do have insurance and it's covered, I say go for it. Okay, and if your insurance doesn't cover this, um, I believe, I do believe, and I'm not 100% sure, but um, there could be uh, help in your area to kind of like lessen the cost. So you should look into that. You know, ask... Um, uh, the uh, uh, the 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 county or the city you're in, uh, um, the 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 doctors you're talking to. Um, if your your insurance doesn't cover it, see if you do can see if you can get some insurance or get some help at least to lessen the cost per visit. I'm sure there's there's help available. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, can I get help as an outpatient or would I need inpatient treatment? Okay. Are there any brochures or other printed material that I can have? Okay, so what websites do you recommend? Okay, so these are all helpful questions that I'm sure your professional, your doctor has the answers. Okay, uh, don't hesitate to ask any other question during your appointment. Okay, let me see my time right now. Oops. Okay, I'm, I'm getting towards the end of my time. So just let me go, um, just get, get, get this out of the way. So what to expect from your doctor? Your doctor will likely ask you a number of questions. Be ready to answer them. Okay, so he, uh, he or she might ask you these questions. Uh, when did your gambling first start? How often do you gamble? How has gambling affected your life? And you should know this, right? If it's affected you in any way, you should know. Um, are your friends or family members worried about your gambling? Okay, now if your friends approach you and say, "Hey, Johnny, man," or what you know, whatever name you got, you know, "Hey, Richie, man," we, we need to talk, man. You know, we're worried about you. You know, uh, when your friends or family member comes and approaches you um you're you're in pretty deep so when you gamble how much do you typically put on the line you know how much you put on the line and don't lie all right you know if you put your whole paycheck you say it hey doc i you know my my whole paycheck and if you borrow on top of that say it and my whole my whole paycheck and i i borrowed you know double my paycheck i, I borrow the money from another guy or whatever right so have you tried to quit on your own what happened when did you when did you try and uh did you try quitting or not have you ever been treated for gambling yes or no <clears throat> are you ready to get the treatment needed for your gambling problem and most likely you should say yes because that's why you're there seeking help okay so i'm gonna cut off already I've been talking too much. Okay, so anyway, so we talked about caregiving, and we talked about uh, people with gambling problems. Okay, so if you have a gambling problem, all right, it's not the end of the world. All right, you may have lost a lot of money. You, man, you, you, you maybe you might lose your house, but, you know, you're alive. Get help. Be positive. Um, you know, if you, 
you you you, you believe in God, uh, like myself, say a prayer and uh, you know get help. There's people out there that want to help you. And uh, for those of you who are caregivers and you're tired, you're burned out, you need help, ask for help. Both, both, both of you, who are, who are both, both, both problems. Um, if if you're a caregiver, ask for help. If you have a gambling problem, ask for help. You, you know, if you're the people uh, or caregivers or people gambling, you need help. Just ask for help. Okay, so um, I hope this was um, kind of interesting. Uh, again, um, I'm not a licensed uh, therapist psychiatrist psychologist i'm not uh, i'm not licensed i'm not a licensed I'm a medical doctor a doctor of medicine i'm just an everyday person that cares about you um and i want you to have a peaceful life and it all starts with clearing out your mind getting your negatives out of the way and um be at peace and this is ron sembrano for rsb at peace episode number eight you can hear this on Spotify and Anchor right now, and I think pretty soon Apple Podcasts, and you can see me on YouTube. All right? So you guys um, have a good one. Bye-bye.